You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe that helps people who feel far from God to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. For more fresh content, check City Tribe on YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook. Enjoy the message, and welcome to the tribe. Now here's Doug Robbins. Well, happy Mother's Day to all and all of you who have been a part of our church over the past many weeks. Know that we've been in a series. We've been teaching through First Peter in the Bible, but we're going to take a break from the resilient service and series this week to honor our moms. And some of you have come today. Uh, a lot of you are not moms, and you're thinking to yourself, hey, is there anything for me in this service today? Will there certainly be some encouragement for you today? But I'm motivated for Mother's Day today because of my mother. Now, I was connecting. With, I called my mother before this service, and I told her to log online to the service and watch it. Now, sometimes moms and technologies don't get along, but hopefully my mom's watching. So I just want to say, hey, mother, I love Love you. I thank the Lord for you. And certainly my mom put me in a position where I could choose to receive Christ if I wanted to choose it. My mom had her hands full with me. I was a handful of a kid to raise. And so I thank the Lord that she stuck it out and endured it. Of course, my mom didn't take any of my crap from me at all. Okay. My mom doesn't mess around. So thank you for opening up a can on me when I needed it, mother. I love you and thank God for you. I'm also motivated for Mother's Day because of my wife, Jeannie. You know, Jeannie is a great mother who raised up and trained our kids in the ways of God at home, and she works tirelessly here at the church to serve people and see people experience freedom in Christ. And you know, the way that Jeannie and I's relationship works is, is that my Mother's Day gift to her is that she gets to buy what she wants for Mother's Day, see? So uh, what I told her this morning is that I'm getting a new shop back for Father's Day. That's what's happening, okay? Just so just so you guys know, but that's that's our home. And I'm also inspired by those of you that are single moms here in our church because I've watched the way you guys work. And you know, us men, oftentimes, we can only do one thing at a time. You know what I'm saying? It's like, men, eat. But you ladies, like, you guys can eat, feed everybody else, do your job, and do a myriad of other things. So single moms, we honor you. And here's what my sense is, is that mothers of every sort and people of every sort who are part of this service today, whether online or in the Cameo Theater, are having these unrealistic expectations put on us. So let me show it to you like this, moms. Mom, do you ever feel like at church you're supposed to be like Mother Teresa and then your physical appearance is supposed to be like Wonder Woman and then with parenting you're supposed to be like the super nanny where you can solve any problem. Ladies, you ever feel that pressure to be all of those things at one time? And we don't believe that that's realistic here, right? And so maybe you'll be encouraged by a little article I read in Christianity Today. It's entitled The Myth of the Perfect Parent. And the author of this article was Leslie Leland Fields and her article centers around a proverb, perhaps the most popular and famous verse on parenting in the whole Bible. It's Proverbs 22.6, where the proverb says, train a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not turn from it. So a lot of you perhaps heard that. Now, that's actually a proverb, not just a promise. You know, uh, proverbs are general life skills that perhaps, you know, we should apply and then 
uh, we can see something awesome happen. But what happens is in the, in the article, Leslie identifies what she calls parental panic. And so parental panic is a parent's most consuming concern about making sure their children turn out. You know what I mean by children who turn out? So those children that turn out are the ones that they're healthy in the womb and then they were born and they don't cry because they're too good. They turn out, right? And then they practically change their own diapers and then they don't soil their pants for very long, you know. They grow up and they're these sweet children that want to give away their toys to the homeless, you know. And when they turn out, they, they grow up to recycle. They do all their chores at home. They grow up to be church-going, God-honoring adults who agree with all of your spiritual convictions, parents. Now, how many of you know, yeah, we're all praying for that, but how many of you know it doesn't always turn out that way? So it doesn't always turn out that way. And a lot of people struggle because what they do is they say, hey, you know, I was trying. I did everything the psychology books and the Christian parenting books said to do, and my kids didn't turn out like I thought they should. And I believe that the enemy's having a heyday discouraging parents of every sort. And making them feel inadequate. And many of you feel trapped in guilt and worry. And you constantly hear the thought, I'm not enough. Because my kids didn't turn out the way they thought. I thought that they should. Now, I want to remind you of a little talk that we gave a few weeks ago. We'll link to it if you want to go back and watch it. But it was in our Resilient series where we talked about reframing and suffering into success. And in that service, we were talking about listening for the voice of God's Spirit in our hearts. And we showed you a little chart to help show you the difference between the voice of Jesus in your life and the other voices that are coming into your head. And when Jesus is speaking to your heart, it's always bringing love and life, whereas the other voices are always bringing fear and lack. Jesus does bring conviction about our sin, but the other voices bring condemnation over our sins and mistakes. Jesus' voice brings salvation and help, whereas the other voices bring shame upon us. Jesus' voice brings freedom and joy, and then the other voices bring the thought, you're not enough. Anybody ever feel that you're not enough. And I got this little chart on hearing the voice of God from a friend of mine, Casey Harris, who runs a ministry here in San Antonio called One, in which she helps people to hear the voice of God in their lives. And Casey is quite a good mother herself. And she wrote this, something similar to this down on a napkin, and I adapted it and created it into a chart today. And when I was sharing her content a few weeks ago, I told her about it, and she watched the service, and she said, you know, Doug, God, by his spirit, spoke to me when you went over that chart. You know what the Lord told her? Casey, you're a good mom. And I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to tell some of you today, you're a good mom. You don't have to receive all those unrealistic expectations on your life. You're a good mom. But moms, let me ask you something. How is it that you measure success as a mother? Is it biblical to measure your success as a mother on how your kids, quote unquote, turn out? Well, let's put that same measurement on God himself. God had... He created 
two genetically perfect children, Adam and Eve, and he put them in the perfect environment, the Garden of Eden. Did they turn out? Well, they actually sinned and set in motion a ripple effect of sin and suffering that you and I are still experiencing to this day. So do you think you're a better parent than God? Because your kids didn't, you know, you think you can make your kids turn out. Well, God, I think, has given us some grace today and encouraging us. And I want to submit one simple idea to you that I think will be encouraging for you. And it's simply this. You can rest in his best. Can you say that out loud with me today, whether you're watching online or here in the cameo? When I point to you, you say, let's rest in his best. Okay, ready? Here we go. Rest in his best. Okay, you've had plenty of sleep today, so let's go ahead and crank it up a little bit more you know, with a little more intensity and say it again. Here, ready? Rest in his best. We can rest in his best best and this applies to moms and dads because as great as parenting can be sometimes when uh, our expectations aren't met then it can be discouraging but we can say nope I'm going to rest in his best this applies to non-moms and non-dads and singles people of every age and every sort some of you have expected to become a mom and it's just not yet happened some of you have expected to be married, and it's just not happened. Some of you expected to be dads. Some of you expected all sorts of things. Some of you have been moms or dads before. You've been married before and then got a divorce, and now the next right person hadn't come into your life. And here's what the enemy does. is He'll keep bringing that thought back. Well, you know the reason that you've not yet become a mom or you've not yet been married is because you're not enough. And what do we say to that? No, I don't receive that. I'm going to drop kick that lie. And I'm going to receive the truth of God's word that I can rest in his what? Best. I rest in his best. And look, I was tempted to say today that you can rest in your best. Because we all know we want to do our best, right? But we're not resting in something we do. We're resting in something he's done on the cross. God sent his perfect son, Jesus, his best, to die on the cross so that you and I could experience rest. And I want to show you what Jesus told a group of people who were living with unreal, ex unreal expectations of their life. In fact, because of the Torah interpretation of their day, they had so many things they were expected to live by, they couldn't hardly remember it all, let alone live them all. And look at what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. And before we read it, I want to tell some of you something. Some of you already know this passage. You've read it a million times. And it's time to reread it with a new lens to receive what God has for you in a timely manner for today. Look what he said. Then Jesus said, you come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. Anybody feel those burdens today? And he says, and I will give you what? Say that word. Rest. He says, take my yoke upon you. Take my burden on you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle in heart and you'll find what? Rest for your souls. And God by his spirit is gonna bring some of your rest for your souls today. So mothers, I'm gonna stop the train just for a minute and I wanna bow before you mothers. And I'm not bowing before you because I worship you. 
I'm bowing before you to honor you. And I got the idea to bow before you from the guy who wrote the little proverb on parenting that we read earlier in the service. And I want to show you what this guy, Solomon, who was one of the wisest men to ever live, did in the presence of his mother. And it's in 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 19. And look at what it says. So Bathsheba went to the king, and Bathsheba was Solomon's mother. And she went to him to speak on Adonijah's behalf. And the king rose from his throne to meet her, and he bowed down before her. Moms, is anybody getting an idea of what the family needs to do later today when you're sitting around the table? Just bow down before her. And when he sat down on his throne again, the king ordered that a throne be brought for his mother, and she sat at his right hand. See, ladies, you getting an idea that they need to construct a throne for you, and that after they bow down before you today, they need to create the throne and let you sit on it, and it needs to be padded so you can lay around and watch Netflix this afternoon and chill out. The mom said, Amen. Say it, Pastor Doug. Tell him. So Solomon, you see how he honored his mom. Can I ask you a question? Was Bathsheba a perfect mother? Some of you are like, no. No, she wasn't. You know, if, you, if you've not read your Bible, Bathsheba had Solomon birthed him from an adulterous relationship. Now, understand, and, and I understand, that Bathsheba's adulterous relationship with King David, Solomon's father, there was a bad power dynamic going on. And so today, we don't know for sure whether Bathsheba had the choice and chose and wanted to be involved in that adulterous relationship or if it was forced on her. But what we do know is is that Solomon was not born from a perfect circumstance at all. Yet he still had the wherewithal and the wisdom to bow down to his mother and to honor his mother. And mothers, we honor you today. And I wanna show you some things that we wanna thank you for and honor you for, mothers. Thank you for doing your best to instruct us and pass on your faith to us. Look, I know that some of you have these thoughts that come across you like, I don't know enough of stuff about the Bible. And, you know, I'm not as good as some of those moms that they have a theology degree and they raise their kids while they have like a side hustle and they, they, they do all this stuff that's so great. You're just telling your kids the best you know how from God's word, how to live And don't underestimate the impact that you're making by humbly passing on your faith to your kids. Let me take you to 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 5. And that's where Paul says, I remember your genuine faith for your, you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. So Paul's saying to this young Timothy, hey, Your faith came from your mother before you. She gave you that faith. And now Timothy found himself as a leader in the church and two books that bear his name in the Holy Bible. See, because his mother passed on her faith 
as she knew how to do. And some of your kids don't understand it right now. And some of your kids' mothers, they think you're dumb right now. About the time they turn into teenagers, they don't think you're great anymore. They think you're stupid. And what they're going to find out is a few years from now, they're going to realize you weren't as dumb as they, th- as they thought you were. See? And I've got a memory verse for you moms to share with your kids when they talk back to you. Here it is, Proverbs chapter 30, verse 17. It says, the eye that mocks a father and despises a mother's instruction will be plucked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by vultures. (laughs) So see, um, you know, kids... You need to listen to your father's and your mother's instructions or, you know, the ravens are going to come by and pluck out your eyes and the vultures are going to eat your dead carcass as it lays on the side of the road. God bless you and we love you. See? (laughs) Isn't the Bible fun? But look at the mothers. Let me thank you for something else. Mothers, thank you for letting us go. It's hard, isn't it, mothers? You've raised these kids. You've poured your heart and soul into these kids and you have to let them go out into the world you have to release them into the world I think about Moses mother she was in a dire circumstance and she had to put her little baby boy into a basket and float him down the Nile River and release him into the hands of God and God took care of him and raised him up to be a great man of God because his mother was willing to release him, to let go. You know, my wife, Jeannie's biological mother, let her go when she was a baby. And I thank God that she did because that caused my wife, Jeannie, to be adopted by a godly man and woman. And my wife, Jeannie, saw the example of her godly mother that shaped the woman of God that she is today because her bio mom was able to let go. See, you know about letting goes, don't you, mom? Because remember the first day you let them go to kindergarten? Remember that day? They had that backpack on that's bigger than they were, and they walked into that school. I remember first day we let my son out, you know, and Jeannie was trying to tell him where to go, and he goes, it's okay, mom, I'll figure it out. He walks into that big old school, you know. Some of you moms can remember your daughter's quinceanera. And she was no longer a little girl. But just like letting go, she's becoming a woman, you know. Some of you moms remember the day when you release your child to go to college. You release your child to go move into that apartment, move out of the house. So we were like, I'm trying to release that kid to get out of the house. Just keep staying. Because the laundry service and the food is so good, you know. See, I know what it's like. You had to release these kids. You know, some of you moms, you released your son to be married to that other woman. Right? Some of you, your daughter, she's getting married. She's standing up in front of that church in that beautiful dress. And a pervert comes walking down the aisle, right? (laughs) It's just like, oh, no. (laughs) You know, Jesus' mother, Mary, she knew what it was like to let her son go in the ultimate way. Go with me to John chapter 19, verse 25. 
standing near the cross where Jesus' mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene, when Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, and he said to her, Dear woman, here's your son. And he said to the disciple, Here's your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into his home. A couple of things going on there. One is, is that even at his deathbed, Jesus was honoring and caring for his mother. And in the kingdom of God, we care for our mothers. We care for our mothers here. But the other thing that's going on is a godly mother releasing her son to walk into his purpose to die for my sins and for yours on the cross. This is what a mother does. And there are mothers in this room and some watching online who know what it's like to let go of a child in the ultimate way. That's the story of Shannon Carvajal. When she was pregnant for 21 weeks with her little son, Manny, she found out that he had a condition called Potter's syndrome that affects the development of the lungs as well as other complications and issues. And Shannon made the difficult decision to carry little Manny to full term. So on April the 14th of 2010, Emmanuel Ramundo Carbajal was born at 8.58 a.m. He weighed five pounds and six ounces. And he was born at 8.58, but he passed away at 10.28 a.m. An interesting side note is that his heart rate lowered just as the doctor suspected it would and then it started to rise again. It's like little Manny Carbajal was fighting for the ability to spend more time with his mom and his dad to get to know them just a little bit longer. It's like he was fighting. The full version of Manny's name is Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And certainly Manny showed his mother and father the presence of God in their lives and Shannon Carvajal had a total of 90 minutes with her son Manny before she had to let him go and my friend Michael Manny's father wrote a poem to honor his wife Shannon and his little boy and it's called I Once Held an Angel and so Michael writes I once held an angel a five pound and six ounce miracle he was soft to the touch absolutely beautiful and altogether perfect I once held an angel his cherubic face reminded me of his mother his nose his little yawn surely his origins are heaven made I once held an angel. His love was tangible. His strength indomitable. His courage inspirational. I once held an angel. His name meant God is with us. And in his being, he radiated God's majestic presence. I once held an angel. He named me his father. He named my wife his mother. And we named him Emmanuel, our beautiful baby boy. And look, for those 90 minutes, Shannon and Michael Carbajal held an angel. For those precious 90 minutes, Manny Carbajal had a mother that loved him, a mother that blessed him. And look, mothers, we thank you for the way that you've loved 
and blessed us no matter how much time we're blessed with you on this earth and we cherish every moment we get with you because we know that the next visit could be our last see and so we call and we visit often because you're such a gift we also know that there are some in the room that had the gift of having a mother who had the heart and ability and words to bless us as kids. And there are others in the room, a small handful of you that didn't have that. You have what we call a mother wound because all you remember is abuse and absence. She wasn't there. And the whole talk of honoring a mom makes you angry because of a mother wound. And we want, want, what we want to impart to you today is healing from that wound to show you that in the spiritual realm, in the kingdom of God, there is another way. There's what we call the mother's blessing. And for some of you, You had a mother that through her actions and her heart, she loved you and blessed you, but she didn't know how to say it and articulate it. And that's why we're going to extend to you what we call the mother's blessing because the family of God is made up of spiritual fathers and mothers and sons and daughters. That's the kingdom. That's the way Jesus set it up. And so if you'd like, we'd like to extend to you the mother's blessing that she should have spoken on your life. Some of them did. So if you'd like to receive it, just put your hand out in a position to receive this blessing so that you can rest in his best. And I've invited one of the most inspiring mothers I know, Natalie, who is a spiritual mom in this spiritual house, to extend to you the loving blessing of a mother. I bless you, my precious child. You are so loved, specially created by God, unique and wonderful. I am so proud of you. I bless the work of your hands, your gifts, and your abilities. I bless your spirit to know love, to give love, to know God intimately, to love him intimately and serve him. I bless your emotions, your relationships with your friends, your spouse and others. I bless your relationship with Jesus to follow his ways. I bless your heart that your spouse and friends can safely trust you. I bless you with an unselfish willingness to share what you have with others. I bless your relationship with Jesus to follow his ways. I bless you with wisdom and strength that comes from God to enable you to respect and honor your spouse and your family. I bless you to prosper and to be in health even as your soul prospers. I give you life as a mother. I speak life to every cell of your body. I release you to be the man or woman God intended you to be. 
Before you were born, God loved you and I love you. I honor you. I praise God for you. I bless you now and forevermore. Amen.
May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. May his favor
like an amen in all caps. And thank you for what you're doing among us today. And God, we know that you're like this perfect father that would blow our minds if we could completely comprehend you. And you love to adopt new kids. And I know that there are some among us watching online or here in the room that just never thought they could be your kid because they never thought they could be enough to be a child of yours. And I hope today that by your spirit, you'll crush that misconception as you're adopting new daughters and sons right now today. And as we pray before God Almighty, if you find yourself in that category of people that's never had a love relationship with him and you want one right now, I want you to just talk to him because he's powerful enough to read your thoughts. You don't have to say it out loud. Just pray it in your mind, in your heart and say something like this. Look, God, I, I've screwed some stuff up in my life. God, I'm going to call it what it is. I've sinned. And God, right now, the best I understand it in this mind, I choose to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin. That God, you gave your very best son, Jesus, so that I could have rest. You gave your best for my eternal rest. So I receive you right now, Jesus, and choose to walk with you for the rest of my life. As we continue in prayer, there's others of us that have known you and we're choosing to walk in who we are because of what was accomplished for us on the cross. And so when we hear that stuff about not being enough, we say, eh, we're going to drop kick that lie. And we're going to say, no, we're receiving who we are in Christ, that we have everything we need for life and godliness, and that we're beloved sons and daughters of the living God. We have been chosen before the foundation of the world, and we are a holy priesthood and a holy nation before God Almighty. And we receive in ourselves all the work of the crucifixion because none of the ways that we've screwed up and messed up in life are more powerful than the cross. We know that. We receive all the work of the resurrection in our lives today. So that lie that tells us that we don't have the power we need to walk in holiness and godliness is a lie. It's just that. And so we're saying, no, Jesus rose from the dead and that same resurrection power lives in me to walk with God and spread his love, his kingdom of love here on the earth. And we walk into all the work of Pentecost where the Holy Spirit came. And so Holy Spirit, fill people now online fill people in the Cameo Theater and the Video Cafe and children in Kid City. Just fill us now with giftings of power that people would see dreams and visions that your young men and your women would prophesy, our sons and daughters would prophesy and that we would see people healed in their hearts of mother wounds, father wounds, wounds of every sort, that they would experience the healing that comes from the Holy Spirit of God and that we not we don't just have the power to experience healing in and of ourselves, but we also have the power to take it to others and spread the kingdom of God. When my spirit comes on you, you'll receive my power to become witnesses, Jesus says. So thank you for all you're doing among us today, Jesus. And as we 
worship you, Jesus. I want to ask a question as we're worshiping Jesus. I want to see a hand if anybody got any encouragement from the Holy Spirit today. Anybody just show me a hand real quick. Yeah, Jesus, thank you. And so every hand that's raised is like to you, credit and glory and honor to you for your goodness to us at City Tribe Church, what you're doing among our spiritual family here. We can't thank you enough, and we pray all of these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Everyone said, amen. Amen. Well, you guys go ahead and take a load off just for a minute. Yeah, you can clap for that. That's good times, isn't it? Thank the Lord for what he's doing today. Now, as we wrap up, a few things I want to remind you about. One is that if you'd like prayer after the service, just walk out these side doors and there'll be a prayer tent out there with folks that would love to pray with you. Now, next Sunday, we're going to wrap up our series on First Peter called Resilient. And I want to prep you for what's going to happen in two weeks from now. We're going to start a new series on the last book of the Bible, Revelation. So if you've ever wondered about, you know, how to look at Revelation and how does that apply to us these days, then uh, we're going to study verse by verse through the New Testament book of Revelation. It might take us two years to do it, but we're going to stay the course and get through Revelation. Now, one of the things you got to understand if you're new to following Jesus or new to this church is that uh, Jesus wants every part of our lives. He wants our hearts, souls, emotions, physical bodies, habits, what we do and he, our resources. He wants to be Lord of all our resources. Now, I say that knowing that some of you are new to church or you don't believe in Jesus or any of that. And I totally understand if you don't want to participate in the financial stewardship of it all. But those of us that follow him, we want to bring what's called a first fruit tithe. First fruit means I want the first check, the first deposit that goes out of my bank account to be to the kingdom of God. I don't want it to be to a bank. I don't want it to be to some bill, that's for sure. Um, But I want it to be the kingdom of God. Jesus says where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. So I want my treasure, my resources to follow what I value And that is the kingdom of God. So we bring as a first fruit, first priority, a tithe and above to the local storehouse, the church. And the reason the church is so significant is because it's where people learn about Jesus. It's where people are adopted into the family of God, get loved, nurtured, helped, learn how to become disciples of Jesus. And we don't pass buckets or plates here at City Tribe Church. So you're like, how do I do that? You know, how, how do I get that done? Has anybody besides me been in those environments where they pass buckets or plates? Or, I went to this one church one time where they had like a bucket on a pole. And if you didn't give enough, they'd like ram the pole up, you know, <laughs> up to your face. So we're not, we're not going to do that. But here's how to get it done at City Tribe Church. You can donate by mail. You just mail in. Some of you are watching online due to the virus and all that. So you just mail in your tithes and offerings to City Tribe Church at the P.O. box that you see on your screen. You can also go online to citytribe.church slash tithe. And that's where you can go to, you can donate electronically. If you forget everything I've said, go to citytribe.church slash tithe. Some of you like to do everything by text message. So you can just text message the number on screen, 74483. And in the text message, you just type the little word tribe space, the dollar amount of what you want to donate, and then press send, and that'll take care of it. 
or others are here in the Cameo Theater and you want to give in person, just go by the giving stations that are located near the exits of the theater. So before you guys worship through your generosity, let's stand up together. And if you're near mom, then put one hand on mom and one hand out um, to receive the benediction today. Um, And we're all together in a family, right? So even if you're having to stand alone due to the pandemic or, you know, don't particularly have family in the service today, I want you to understand you're not alone. And so would all of you who would say that those that perhaps are standing alone are still part of the family and there are people with them, just say amen. This is where you say something out loud. Amen. Amen. Good. Right, right, right. So uh, we're all together in one family. And so, dear brothers and sisters, as you walk from this place and you hear those lies about not being enough, may you walk from here drop kicking those lies, not receiving them, but embracing the truth that you can rest in his best because of the power of the cross. May you walk from here with such rest that you're about to fall asleep at the wheel when you drive away from here because you're in such rest. And may you go from here and mothers be honored as families bow before you and set up thrones to honor you for your greatness. Uh, May you go from here at rest knowing that those kids don't listen to you, the ravens are going to pluck out their eyes. Go from here enjoying the rest that Jesus gives to you. As you take on his burden, because his yoke is easy and his burden is light, walk from here as you rest in his best. You guys have an amazing Sunday. I love you. We'll see you next time. Peace. We're glad you were part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, check citytribe.church.